As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Welcome everybody to another episode of Sound of the Loons. And this time I get to be joined by the one, the only, Bakai Debassi. Gonna join me to talk a little bit about, I wanna talk about your career. I wanna talk about you coming back from an injury, but I just wanna check in, like we just talked about it, that million dollar smile. How are you doing on this beautiful, I think it's Tuesday, uh, the 20th of June. How are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? I'm doing uh, good, I'm great. I just finished training and I'm happy uh, to finish training to be back with the team. And uh, the weather is nice in Minnesota, so <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah, you've you've endured enough of the cold in Minnesota. So now it's nice. I mean, I will take, I know it's hot right now, but I will take the heat and humidity any day over that cold walk from, you know, the, the locker room to the bubble in the wind tunnel. And it's like 20 below. And it's like, what are we doing here? When are we going to Orlando for preseason? Exactly. Same. <laughs> Same. So when you, um, I, I want to talk about your career and, and when you came to Minnesota United, because I think when you joined Minnesota United, it was like this revelation to have you be a part of this back line. And Michael Boxel, who had been there for some time, had joined in 2017 when Minnesota United went to MLS. But then now it was like he had a consistent center back pairing partner and a left-footed center back. And the way you guys clicked right from the get-go, how did you end up at Minnesota United? Why Minnesota United? And then what was that like when you arrived and a part of this league, a part of MLS? Take me back to those moments but um when uh, my first contact with uh, minnesota united it was uh, in the middle of covid the pandemic so uh they uh, they called they called me they wanted to have some information and other stuff so uh me at first i was like uh, i didn't know uh, if i wanted to come in mls or not because uh, they stopped our league in France, League One. They stopped it, but uh, we didn't know if they will restart it or not. And finally, they uh, and then they end up uh, stopping the the season. So I think for me to come in Minnesota, it was the right timing. So they ended the season uh, over there, and uh, then I just like uh, give my agreement with Minnesota and. Trying a new experience in uh, in USA. <laughs> so, what was your impression of the league? Because we always ask players that have played elsewhere, what is sort of the perception of MLS before you come, 
that other people have told you or that you've witnessed? And then what is it like when you actually get here and, and play in it? Uh, before I didn't know the the MLS, I heard about it, but it's not. It wasn't a, like a league I was following. And uh, when I had the contact with Minnesota United, I asked some player I know who were playing in the league, like Roma Metani or Chris Mavinga for Toronto, and uh, some players like this, and uh, they talked me about the league. So I had a picture, a little bit how the league uh, was. And uh, when I came, I was like uh, impressed by uh, all the, the, all the, the facilities and uh, the, the professionalism of the people around the, this league and the players too. They are very good players over here and uh, it's getting better and better. So I was like su surprised a little bit because we don't talk overseas. We don't talk a lot about the MLS. But uh, when I came, I was like surprised and everybody's involved, everybody's professional. So I'm really, very happy to be here. When you look uh, back at last season um, and I, you know, we, we talked with Casey a little bit. And of course, we've chatted with different sporting staff and training staff throughout your injury, your recovery, the rehab and all those things. Was that the first injury major injury that you had had in your career because i know you take incredible care of yourself and that that all, doesn't always matter because there's other guys that take great care of themselves and still it's a freak can be a freak thing mm. but was that the first major long-term injury that you had 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 in your career yes it was uh it is the first uh the first time i had a big injury like like this it's the first one <laughs> what was that moment like for you in that in that time when that happened um, on the field that day, because you've probably done that tackle, that that positioning a thousand, a million times over. <laughs> Did you know right away instantaneously that this was different? That it it was something something was different than any other muscle thing or anything you've ever dealt with? Uh, no, because I thought because uh, it was the tendon. It is the tendon. So I thought the player in front of me picked me. So mm -hmm. I didn't notice yet. Uh, at first, I didn't notice it was like a muscle uh, tearing, like I tear my muscle. I, I didn't know. So I just like scream at pain. But when the pain like, keeps getting like uh, <laughs> worse and worse, I knew there was something uh, weird or like something uh, bad. <laughs> something not quite right, yeah, right? Exactly. At that moment. Yeah. So then talk us through that process, because I think it really does take a village in these moments to sort of lay out the plan, figure out the process, going through surgery, what mm -hmm. the rehab looks like. Somebody may tell you, Donnie or Casey may say, hey, this is the timeline we're looking at here. And I know in your brain, you're going, uh, yeah, that's a no. It's, I'm going to be back way faster or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. <laughs> but sometimes it's just the nature of the body. What was that process like for you? No, it was like, uh, but the doc, the doc, Dr. Fossum, he told me um, right after I, we, I, we, I get back in the locker room, he told me like, you'll be, you'll have surgery. So I was like, okay, but I was, I wasn't like <laughs> ready for all that. And uh, no, after I switch, I, I switch uh, quickly to, yeah. to like the your mindset. Process. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then my mindset to be ready to uh, 
after surgery, uh, get into rehab and try to come back the fa- as fast as possible. But like you said, it doesn't work like this. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work like this. So what did you learn about yourself in that process? Because sometimes the mind can only, co- you know, the mind is insanely powerful. Sometimes it's the mind pushing the body and sometimes it's the body going, oh, heck no. You know, slow down. <laughs> You got to take a step back. Don't push it too hard because long-term you want to, you know, be making the right path. What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself in that, in this process? Uh, The biggest thing, I don't know about myself. It was, uh, not sure, but I think it's, it's like, I think everything is mental, like in the head. And um, I I learned like there's something you cannot like uh, go faster than uh, the time it takes. So yeah, you just have to take the time, be focused on yourself, and uh, let the time do the the job. Uh, when type, you huh? go ahead, go ahead. Now this type of injury, you cannot like uh, you cannot like try to do. T- uh some uh, stuff if you, the body is not ready so you have just to wait until like you healed first and then start working slowly and uh, it's st- really step by step you cannot like uh, burn the step like we said in france <laughs> <laughs> when you look at uh the process how did you handle the day to day, because I, you know, I was saying sometimes when guys and when, when athletes go through injuries, some like to not be around the team and it's hard for them to watch training when they can't be a part of it. And Mm -hmm. some want to, you know, come in and do their gym work or their, their rehab and then go home because it's hard to see what you can't do. And some Mm want to be around it because it fuels them. Where did you fall in that? And was every day kind of different? Um, I was like, kind of lucky because yeah, I get injured at the end of the season, so I stayed um, just after my rehab, uh, my surgery. Sorry, just after my surgery, I stay. Uh, I was coming at the facility like almost every day to have my uh, treatment. So after it was the end of the season, so I go back. I get back in France. And there, with the team, we have the we had the plan to go at the Clairefontaine is the national uh, French national team center. They have a rehab center over there, so I was there with uh, other players who who plays in Ligue One or different league and all injury players. So it was nice to be around them, around each other, mm-hmm. to like help each other because everybody was uh, struggling. Mm-hmm. a little bit and uh, talking to each other helping each other so it was nice to to be like around like other players injury players so uh, it's it was nice for from the team to let me go uh, to the this rehab center yes. so then when you get back to minnesota and yeah. you rejoin that team and that group yeah. And there are other guys that are injured and you're all in the gym together. You're all in <laughs> rehab together. You got your own little, you know, crew, right? Yes. Then what was that like when you actually got to join back into training, whether that was step-by-step, step, what was that like to finally like be actually doing something with a soccer ball and <laughs> the camaraderie, you know, the, the vibe you get from the guys and the energy to step on the field. 
No, it was uh, like a freedom, like to <laughs> to just like uh, get back on the field, work on the ball. Even if sometimes it was only like 10 minutes, like with the ball and just running. And I remember the guys was like clapping for me to get back on the <laughs> on the field and uh, making jokes. And it, it was really nice because I miss I miss playing and uh, I really miss playing. It's I do I do that since I'm young and I was lucky I didn't have a big injury. So I'm used to play. I'm used to be on the field. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, yes, it was it was tough mentally, but uh, I'm lucky I have people with me. So they helped me a lot, the team. The, the from the owner to the staff member, everybody was texting me and uh, you, <laughs> yeah, message and uh, now I got this. I got support, so I I think I, it's a good thing for me. Yes. <laughs> when you look at the team and your perspective now, because sometimes when you're sitting out and you're injured, you can gain a different perspective. I've seen, you know, the camera shots of you and Robin and some of those guys sitting up in the the suite or, you know, together watching the game from a different perspective. Was that kind of unique too? Because you're like, you, you're you're taking a step back to see what's happening on the field and what's taking place. Was that like a different a different perspective for you this time? Uh, yes. First, it's very hard to watch the his <laughs> <laughs> teammates play. And uh, I don't like it, but... <laughs> I had no choice, mm -hmm. and yes, uh, yes, you have a different perspective. And my perspective is: we have a really good team. We have a really good team. We can do a, a good thing in, on the field. And uh, I think there's always a part of, in the season, and when you struggle and to win, uh, you cannot win or all this stuff. But for me, what we're doing. It will be uh, it will be good because uh, we have the uh, all the ingredients. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. And what are you gonna when you get back on the pitch? And I don't I don't know officially, and you don't have to say when when that will be for an actual game. I know you guys have a game of the week and coming up here, and I'm not sure like what your status is. And but when you look at what you bring to this team, what would be sort of your paragraph that you would write about yourself in your bio that this is what Bakai does. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is, or maybe what would guys say about you if you had to, <laughs> you had to tell me that. I don't know. I don't like to talk about really about me. Everybody but... always says that. Come on, just go for it. <laughs> no, but uh, I think because um, I'm not the the youngest in the gym, so <laughs> the guys can count on me. I like to give them some advice. I like to talk because I talk a lot on the, on the field. It's my, my natural. <laughs> sometimes good, sometimes bad, but <laughs> I talk a lot on the field. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, they know they can count on me uh, on the on the field during the game. So maybe, uh, maybe it's irrational them, you know, like maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I well, we all witness it. We all witness it. We know what you're saying. Uh -huh. K Casey and everybody else, everybody echoes the same thing, that you are a leader on this team, that you're vocal, that the guys lean on you. 
they look up to you. They appreciate your feedback. And I mean, first and foremost, they appreciate how you play the game, how you go about what you do, because they know that they can count on you. And if you're yelling at somebody, it's because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You can't yell at somebody if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I, I just love that you're going to be back in the mix. Um, I'm excited to see Very when good. that is and when you step on the field and, um, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be a home game and then you get that Allianz field crowd and it's going to be a, a joyous moment to be out there warming up and, and part of that team and, and back on the field again, because I know they've missed you. And um, I appreciate you taking the time. Cause like I said, I know it's, it's been busy. It's been a grind. I'm excited yeah. to, to see you back out there again. And um, hopefully, you know, there's a lot of games coming up. So, the depth of uh, every roster is going to be tested with leagues cup and everything else coming up. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to you and being back out there. I'm glad you're back out there. I'm glad you listened to your Thank body you. and <laughs> didn't try to much. come back. Didn't try to come back too fast. So I, I take, I, you know what? Enjoy that moment, that first <laughs> national anthem, that first, whatever moment you're, you touch the rock on your way yeah. out to the middle of the pitch and, uh, and, and get to participate in that, in that starting lineup. So I appreciate you taking the time today, Bakai. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Yeah. We'll see you around. We'll see you up at the yeah. training center. And, and of course, uh, next time you're on the field for Minnesota United. But stay tuned, everybody. Segment number two of Sound of the Loons coming up with Casey Godwin, assistant uh, athletic trainer for Minnesota United. The newest chapter in the rivalry between MLS and League MX is coming to Minnesota this summer. The 2023 Leagues Cup arrives at Allianz Field July 23rd when the Loons take on Club Puebla in their first group stage match. Just three days later, a date with Chicago Fire will wrap up MNUFC's group play. For more details on this new competition or to secure your tickets before they're gone, visit MNUFC.com today. Alrighty, everybody, segment number two of Sound of the Loons this week. And now I get to be joined by assistant athletic trainer for Minnesota United, Casey Godwin, who has taken time out of her ridiculous schedule, but maybe coming off a few days off. I mean, I know you don't like really get days off, but sort of days off. So I appreciate you taking taking some time uh, to hop on with me today to talk a little bit about uh, your role, your job, getting into this a crazy sport we love and call soccer and working in men's professional sport, all of the above. So I appreciate you taking the time. Good afternoon, Casey. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. Um, I'm happy to be here and answer any questions that I can. Uh, so yeah, this is exciting. This is totally not my space at all. Cause I'm such a background person. So, so yeah, this is cool. I love it. That's what I love. I love making people feel real uncomfortable and throwing them in this like spotlight where they're Job not well done. Being. Yeah. So I was just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just throw her on, on the, I'm not going to throw you on the hot seat. So that, cause I, I wouldn't do that to you. Of course. Um, but I do, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, because I get asked the question a lot. So I want to ask you the question, how did you get into this field? Not even, no, it's not even, we won't even get the men's sports yet. We won't get to professional sports, but just like athletic training. What was it that drove you? What was your passion? Where did this come from? How, how did this come about? Yeah. So my story is a little bit different than kind of the quote unquote traditional athletic training trajectory. So I had another career 
outside of athletic training after undergrad. <clears throat> so I actually worked for the government for about four and a half years. I was I worked for the Department of Defense. I'm originally from Oklahoma, so I worked in Oklahoma City. Um, and basically, it, 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 was a, it was a great opportunity, but it was a desk job. I was working for the Air Force as a civilian, um, and it just was not, I, I could not see myself doing that for the rest of my life. It was not a great fit. Um, I learned some things that even still today helped me, um, but I needed something else. So I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do? I knew at that time in my life, I was actually planning to move to Virginia. So I started thinking about, okay, what, what do I love? I grew up playing sports. Um, I like science. So it kind of, I can't even really remember how I came up with athletic training because I never had an athletic trainer. Like it wasn't really a thing when, when I was growing up and, um, yeah, I, I happened upon it. Um, kind of long story short, I I applied to a program, a master's program. I got into that at Shenandoah University in Virginia. Um, How beautiful the program. there! Oh yeah, super beautiful. Oh um, yeah, and it was a very uh, a rigorous program. Um, it was two full years of just so much information, and so. I didn't even really realize what athletic training was until I was already in the program. I'm like, oh, this is a lot more, um, but it, it worked for me. You know, I I, um, I learned so much how much science goes into everything that we do and just so many things. So it, it fit me a lot better than what I was doing. So then um, I ended up moving to the Twin Cities and I started a job um, working in D3 athletics. So prior to starting at Minnesota United, I was working um I started at Hamlin University, and then I went to Augsburg for a few years, and I went back to Hamlin. And around that time, um, there was a position, there was a per diem position open with the academy that was opening up. So on a whim, I was like, mm, let me just apply, because at that time, it was just a part-time position. So I applied, and Stacy like, emailed me back. And first of all, I was starstruck. I'm like, oh, my God, she actually emailed me back. I did not think that would ever happen. Um so yeah, I Stacy Harden for those yes. that don't know. Yep. Yep, mm -hmm. Stacy Harden. Um so she she brought me on. That position actually morphed into a full-time position. So I kind of did a little bit of Hamlin and then full-time with the academy. Um they restructured so I was the only athletic trainer with the academy at that time, which was a new challenge for me. Um and then COVID happened and yeah, that was another new challenge. That was another huge challenge and then you know the academy went away for a little while. I waited. Stacy brought me back. I took over the COVID workload. And that's how I eventually ended up with being here full time with the first team. Well, and how crazy if you think about it, like the just that like window of time where you were like flooded with the information of the school of Shenandoah, you know, like just like information overload, but still felt like you were in something that you were passionate about and that you were on the right path. Then all the craziness of moving here, switching universities, academy, part-time, COVID, back into full-time. This is like a breeze. Like you're just like on a regular schedule now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, but I feel like, I feel like all of it just, it, I felt really prepared once I started, you know, getting into the field and doing things. And so much of it comes with experience actually doing it. You can know all the things, you can be the best student, but until you're actually out in the world you know, getting experience. It's just, you know, that's just part of it. So it has been a great fit for me. I love what I do. Um, it's exciting. It is a ton of pressure, but I like that. So every good... day has, 
I mean, every day has to be different. You probably don't see the same mm-hmm. twice. Like when we see the injury report and it's like, oh, hamstring, quad, <laughs> like that, that is not, that's not telling the story, right? I mean, every little thing in each individual is so different and so unique that a textbook isn't going to cut it. it. It really is about truly about on the job experience and gaining that. Well, talk to me then about what about the people side of it? Because you were talking, we can talk about injuries, but at the end of the day, they're all people. They all have different emotions, uh, ways they push themselves, ways they don't, uh, motivation, families, life. You know, there's all these other things. And mental health is such a big thing now, too, which it always should have been. But it's even more in focus now when especially when guys have long term injuries, which, you know, we talked to Debasi in the first segment of the Mm -hmm. of the podcast. How how much did you feel like you were fit for this? Not because just the science and the medical and the sports, but like the people aspect of it, or were you, were you fully ready for that aspect of it? You know, it's funny um, to me, that is a larger part of all of it. I think almost than anything else. And that was something that I learned pretty quickly, you know, on the job. So going back to my background, my, my prior <laughs> uh, work life. So I actually have a, a, a bachelor's degree in psych and a master's degree in HR. So I was kind of doing that whole thing anyway. And mental health has always been, um, especially in sport, has always been a kind of a little niche of mine that I've been interested in, uh, cultural competency, all of these things, um, and kind of trying to find where that fits into my role as a clinician. Um, I have different experiences than anybody else. So trying to be what the best ally that I can, being an active listener, trying to understand where these patients are coming from. And that's not just with the club, but it you know, even at, at whatever level that you're working, these people are individuals and they have different backgrounds and they have different reactions to everything. So to me, the biggest piece of my job is trying to understand who the players are as people first, kind of building that trust, that rapport, and you're going to have different relationships with different players. Um, But I think my number one goal is for them to understand that I'm here not just for their safety, well-being, injury eval, all of those things, but I'm here to listen um, and try to at least be understanding, um, you know, kind of have an open door policy. And Mm -hmm. if they have things that they want to talk about or not, that's, you know, that's totally up to them, but just trying to be um, there for them for, for whatever they need. So to me, that's a big piece of, of building that. So then they trust me with other things when it comes to you know, injury stuff, or I know like, okay. So specifically like with Bakai, mm-hmm. I've worked with Bakai, you know, since he got here, I remember when he, when we first signed him. So you kind of learn the players like ways, like their personality type, like, is this normal for him? Is it not something going on? Like, is he not feeling this? Like, you know what I mean? So I think it's really important to be in tune with those different characteristics. And so you can notice when something's off. Mm-hmm. And plus, I, I mean, I hate to, you know, toot our own horns here as females, but we kind of have like this intuition. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big body language reader. You know, oh, even yeah. when I'm doing a game, I'm like, mm, something seems a little funky there. You know, like you can just sure. read it. And so when you're around someone that often as you are around these guys, whether it's traveling yeah. or a day-to-day basis and it's life and everything all wrapped into one, it's not just about the player and the injury and the, and, and what they're doing on the pitch or on the training field. Then yeah. what about, totally. then you bring in the dynamic of coaching staff in the sure. sense that 
they want their guys ready to play, right? Mm -hmm. This is about health, well-being, getting our guys ready, getting our guys fit, making sure they're the strength and conditioning, the warm-ups, the this, the that, guys coming back from injury, guys are wanting to push themselves and then maybe they're not ready. Maybe coaches are wanting them to be back, but they're not ready. So you have this, like that psych degree has to come mm-hmm. in real handy for mm-hmm. all the different things that you're you're juggling when a team is, I mean, it's different than any other, even it's different than even working like in an orthopedic office because you are yeah. dealing with a professional sports team that the end goal is to compete and win games. How do you balance and communicate with all those different moving parts? How does that, how does that break down? Yeah. Well, luckily for me, I'm not usually like, (laughs) it's usually kind of on Donnie to do most of that (laughs) communication, but um, I think overall, the biggest thing is collaboration. Um, Like you said, we're, we're all here for the same goal, I think. And again, it goes back to getting to know not only the players, but the people that you're working with, the people that you're working for um, so that there's this understanding of why I'm here, how I operate, like here's, how I want to collaborate with you. Um, And yes, certainly there are going to be times where perhaps the player wants to get back faster. The coaches, you know, depending on X, Y, Z factor, that's all happening um, all at the same time. They're, they're needing somebody. And sometimes we do have to, to be the ones to kind of rein it in a little bit so that, because our number one priority, obviously advocating for the player, keeping them safe. Um, This is their career that the stakes are very high. Um, but I would say that that all just goes back to to trusting our knowledge and having a good working relationship. And so far for me, anytime that I have had to step in and, and you know, talk, communicate with the coaches or any of the, the other technical staff, it's always been a, a pretty good experience for me. I think as long as you're communicating the why, here's the plan. It's not just me saying, oh, I don't think this is a good idea. If if you know what you're talking about and you you lead with that, I think you know, I think that I think they're going to understand that. And I, from my experience so far, it's been it's been really good. Well, and at the end of the day, like you said, first priority is always the health and well-being of, of the athlete, of the player. Right. And I think everybody's on the same page there. Right. Yep. And then the second thing is you're all out for the same thing. You're out for this club to be successful. And exactly. at the end of the day, that becomes results on the pitch. So whoever yep. is available. So everybody's working towards the same goal. And at times, I mean, sports is passionate. So things can, I mean, we've all seen it, whether it's just in a, in a soccer tennis, you know, at at Mm -hmm. practice, like there's emotions, (laughs) there's passion, there's competitiveness, there's energy. Guys are trying to fight for spots for sure. But at the end of the day, the goals are all the same. How has the technology and science changed what you do since you started? And even when you were in school being like inundated with this knowledge, now the technology is it a blessing? Is it a curse that we can monitor everything? Is it a combination of the two? And I mean, Donnie's been around for a long time. He's mm-hmm. probably a little old school, you know, he's a hockey guy, but so, yeah. I mean, my gosh, we just saw the Stanley cup final injuries come out. This guy was playing with a, you know, punctured spleen and a broken rib and a this and a that. Wild. But like, what, how has that changed your world in just the last five years, let alone decade, maybe? Well, yeah, it was funny actually when I, cause I was an, 
older student when I went back to school for athletic training. So I was one of the oldest in my cohort and like there's iPads and there's like everything. Cause we didn't have any of that. Like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do these people already know all this stuff? Like, I don't, you know, so that was a bit of a learning curve for me, but that was just kind of, of, of what's to come. Right. So I think in our field, you know, the technology and all of the, you know, all of the bells and whistles and all of the things that we have over with um, like in Sean Buckley's area and in performance, all of the measures, the tools. I mean, we can measure pretty much any variable that you want. Um, and in a way it is a blessing and a curse because we do have all of this information at our disposal. Um, and I think at times, you know, how much information is too much information. You kind of get, you know, you can kind of get lost in, in some of it, but I think overall, I think just having all of these things at our disposal, it's been really cool to be in the professional setting and having things that, you know, I wouldn't have thought I would get to use, you know? So that part has been really cool and it's always changing. I mean, part of a big part of what we do is staying up to date on uh, evidence-based practice. So what, what is the literature telling us? And that evolves. I mean, that's whether it's, you know, blood flow restriction, whether it's soft tissue therapies, all these different things are always kind of changing. Um, so it's something that, you know, it's fun for me to kind of stay up to date with it, but you have to stay up to date with it because you don't want to do things that are like, mm, this is left in the stone age. We've evolved past that. So, yeah. And I think about, um, you know, back in the day when I was in preseason and everybody got the same preseason workout. It was like mm -hmm. a certain mm -hmm. number of sprints, a certain number of this. There was no load management. It wasn't based mm -hmm. on your size, your abilities, your muscle mass, like you're this, you're that. I mean, it's so tailored now, every single person's training workout, whether that's on a daily basis, an off-season program, whatever it might be. And now with injuries, even more so, it was like, oh, you did your ACL. This is what you do. You Certainly. did your whatever. You This is what you do. I mean, so I feel like in that regard, more information is better because it could be tailored for each individual and I remember, I feel like Adrian said one time, this was, you know, years ago when they first came into MLS and it was something about, you know, the, the tracking monitors. And it was like, well, you think you worked that hard, but I can see this is what you did. So they can come in like real handy. Like what oh, you're doing a lot of running, but is it purposeful running? You know, how, yeah. what does that uh -huh. look like? And, and then for you guys, when you're doing your, okay, this is why he feels this way today is because look at his numbers from yesterday. So yeah. it can come in handy for all parties. Yeah, for sure. And especially with the numbers, because we do that, we, we gather that data every day and over the matches and looking at loads and tailoring things, like you said, to each player and kind of how the fixture week is, or do we have two games a week for weeks on end or, you know, so we do, uh, we do monitor all of that and we're able to, you know, change things as necessary. And, and we use that data to kind of look at down the road, other things that we do want to do perhaps for next season and in coming into preseason. So learning from what we're already doing and how we can get better. And, you know, we do all of that for the players to, you know, again, one, one, one goal. All right, let's focus on Bakai. He was on in segment number one. We kind of started off focusing on you so we can get your background. Sure. Talk to me about what you can, because, you know, we, we still learn you're, you're the athletic trader, you know, there's, you know, we, we don't need to deep dive any into anything and you, you disclose what you can and cannot, Sure. but what, when he, first of all, when he went down, I mean, we're all like, Whoa, like that doesn't happen. Yeah. That kind of scream, that kind of, you know, he doesn't 
in, get injured ever. Yeah. And then the way he went down um, and then coming to find out and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what was reported from our standpoint was a ruptured quad. And yes, and it may have, you know, there, I mean, God only knows what else was going on once they went in there, but have you ever seen an injury quite like that? And then talk to me about that process with him specifically and sort of how you manage through that and, and his personality with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's exactly like you said. So whenever I think about, or whenever I talk about Bakai's injury, going back to when it happened and I've been doing this a while, I haven't been doing it all that long, but when you know, you know, like, I mean, the more that you're in this atmosphere, you can kind of understand or can kind of tell, you know, how things sound, how things look. Sometimes you see the injury and it's some catastrophic thing and you can tell right away it's go time. Other times like Bakai's injury, I mean, it it happened right in front of the bench. I will. It's one that I will always remember. It's kind of one of those ones in your career that you'll never forget just because I, I do know him. And the way that he screamed, like immediately I knew it was bad. Like, okay, there's something going on with his knee. I didn't really see it because sometimes it can be, you know, it, it can be hard to tell. So we, you know, we respond really quickly. Um, we're trying to go through the eval. We immediately wave, you know, our physician, Dr. Greg Folsom on. Um, and I'm trying in that moment, I'm trying to get Bakai to kind of tell me what's going on, calm him down. And he, you couldn't, which is so unlike him. He's just so kind of, you know, chill, even keel. I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with him to where he will tell me what's up. And I couldn't even get it out of him. So then we move on to the ortho exam on the field. And during this time, you know, there's a million other things kind of happening at once, right? So it's a little bit or a lot of it chaotic, but you also have a job to do. You're, you're thinking about all these other factors because the game goes on. Right. You know, the coaches are kind of wanting to know a little bit of a status. They can see something's going on, probably not good, but they have to, you know, relay, do their part of their job. So you're weighing all of these things, you know, you're trying to monitor to make sure that he's not going into any further emergency, you know, shock or any, any of that. And during that time, that was when um, Dr. Folsom was like, yeah, it's not good. This is what I'm thinking it is. So immediately we take him into the locker room. And kind of the way that we're structured, we stay on the bench, but we have another athletic trainer. Um, I believe it was Martin went to the training room and Neil, our AT slash PT was also in there and they kind of handle it from there. Dr. Folsom's in there doing a more thorough eval and determining next steps, imaging, you know, sending him in to see what we're really dealing with. So once all of that is kind of the, the traumatic part and the initial um, response, you know, you finish the game and, it, and you, it's on your mind, but you still have to, there's however many minutes left and there's more guys on the field. So after the game, um, the plan is already laid out for next steps for him. Um, and then, you know, the next day we kind of regroup during our medical meetings and figuring out, you know, surgery and, and all of these other things and what they look like. So, with any kind of injury, um, we try to start rehab as soon as possible um, it, because it, it does start kind of at day one, even before you have surgery, just to put them on a good trajectory to return eventually. With his injury, it is not one that I've dealt with before. I've dealt with similar ones. So essentially, he he tore his quad right at the tendon. So this is where the whole quad, the muscle blends into the top of the kneecap. 
Um, and that's basically what tour. So, um, surgery was great, successful, all the things. And Bakai is such a good patient. Like he's going to do, you know, whatever you ask of him, he's a, an, an exceptional professional. Um, and as far as I know, I believe this is the, the biggest injury that he's had. So we knew going in, this is going to be a long-term recovery. He's got a long road ahead, but he's got all of us to, to help him through that. And I think mapping out what things look like and being very honest and transparent with him, what the process looks like kind of hopefully would set him at ease a little bit more, even though it is a daunting road. Um, I mean, this happened last August, I believe. And, you know, he's kind of just now getting back to kind of full. And so, so yeah, it's been a long road, but He's had such a great attitude. He's done everything that he's supposed to do. Um, and to be honest, he's kind of a physical specimen, right? He's he's done all of the right things to get himself to this point anyway. So, you know, it, it was a different, I would probably bet a different challenge for him. Um, but yeah, I think he's done an amazing job. It's interesting too, when you talk about that, because that happened. I mean, I shouldn't say that happens a lot, but there's a few cases every once in a while where this is like the first long-term injury, you know, major injury that some of these guys have had, even if it's later in their career, because they, they mm -hmm. do such a great job of taking care of themselves. And then maybe luck is on their side as well, because mm -hmm. there's plenty of guys that take tremendous care of themselves and they still end up with an ACL or something else. Yep. I know it's just like on the unfortunate nature sometimes, but then it's that mental, emotional side of it. And they think they may be tough and they think they may have like gutted something out. And then it's, it's nothing like you've ever been through before. It's not like getting benched. It's not like, you know, dealing with a muscle pull. It's not like, you know, some, something it's, it's a different kind of a challenge. And then when you see your teammates out there training every day, working in the gym every day, Mm -hmm. And sometimes you feel like I've read an article once it might've been somebody from DC United or somewhere where they were like, I can't even go to training every day. I get in, I go to, I do my work before and I go home and like I sit at home because I it's, it's harder sometimes to be around it when you can't be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And guys probably go both ways and they probably ebb and flow throughout the, the process of the recovery about what they need and don't need uh, mentally and emotionally from their teammates and from others. But with, with, with Bakai specifically, because also the stage of his career that he's at, did you feel like he was maybe more well-equipped from like a maturity um, appreciation, you know, like, a, and I'm not saying that younger guys don't have it. I'm just saying like, he's been through a lot in his career. He's been on different teams. He's been in different countries. He's, you know, it was, do you feel like there's a difference maybe sometimes with some more veteran players when they deal with something like this, as opposed to someone who's younger in their career and just trying to like, get on the roster and solidify that starting spot or, or is it just doesn't matter. It just depends on the guy, not necessarily the age. Yeah. I think a lot of it probably does depend on how long they've been around or in the league or what their experience is. Um, but yeah. So like with Bakai specifically, I mean, he's a wise guy. Like he, he knows things like he's worldly. He's like you said, he's been around, like he's done this for a long time um, and he's achieved things in his career. So I think while this is, new territory for him. Um, I think he was also very honest and real about like, okay, well, this, this happened, this is what it is. Here's what I got to do to get back. I mean, and it's not, again, this kind of injury isn't one that we necessarily see a ton. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a freak injury, but 
in some ways it kind of is like there's there's just there was no way to really predict it it was a tackle he's done probably a million times and for whatever reason on that day it just kind of it went on him um but like you know guys guys are familiar with acl stuff or meniscus they kind of have a rough idea of what like oh timeline this is how long you know i'm gonna get back faster but okay um with this i don't think he really had a super clear understanding of how long perhaps it would take. So that was part of the process as well as explaining it, making sure that he understood exactly what the procedure was, exactly what the plan is going forward, implications for all sorts of things. Um, and again, you know, his age, where he has is in his career, these are all things, factors that kind of affect his, his process. So I would say he took it amazingly well. Um, and again, whether that's just a personality thing for him or if it's, you know, if this would have happened earlier in his career, I, I don't know what he would say. But from what I know of him, he's a very, like I said, he's a wise, he's a wise guy who's been around, seen a lot. And he understand, he understood kind of from the get go what it would take to to kind of get through it. So then what about the joy when you see him step back on the training pitch? And I get it. Like you've seen him in the gym, you've seen him this, you've seen him that, but once you see him, like, and I don't know what his availability is, I'm assuming hopefully for his sake, it's coming up soon, but mm -hmm. just in general to be out amongst the guys, not running laps around like legit training, small sided games, whatever it might be. I mean, what is that like to see his joy? And then like you as a staff, knowing that, he's gotten to this point, you've helped him along the way he's done the work. Like what's that moment? Like when you see players come back? Yeah, it's, it's so cool because, you know, there's, it's probably one of the best things about this job to know that you had some small piece of his return or players like that. I mean, it was, it was like that with Hassani as well. Like when he came back, cause I was there right when he, you know, had his injury and just how it feels knowing that at least career wise and, you know, personally, sometimes you're with players on their worst day, like, you know, that sounds dramatic, but it's so true. And you, 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 you take that on a little bit. Um, so then at the end of the journey, when you do see them return and hitting milestones, you feel so proud of them and proud to have had a part of it. Um, I mean, they, we lay out the plan, they do the work, they do it. So when you do see him out of training and he's, you know, when he returns to full training or he's doing a drill that he hasn't done before, you can see in him that it's all still there. The soccer is still there. The football of him is still there. He's just got to work on, you know, the endurance and kind of shaking the rust off and all of that. But it's just, it's really, I don't know. It you, it makes you feel proud. It makes me feel a little, a little emotional. Cause I'm like, oh, he's out yeah. there. He did it. He's doing it. And you feel worried, of course, you know, because, you know, it, it does feel scary probably for them and for us. But it's usually that first milestone where they're like, OK, I'm back. I'm doing things. It, it feels really good. And then, you know, from there, it's just like, OK, I, I get to watch this this soccer player I've worked with for however many years go go out and do his thing. So that it's really cool. It's a cool feeling. It's hard, hard to describe. Well, and the smile, he's got this like million dollar smile too, you know? So I think that just like lights up the room. And then, you know yeah. what, it's, it's interesting. You talk about 
uh, seeing the joy on his face, seeing the joy on the staff, but the the players and especially mm-hmm. a guy like that. I mean, we yeah. saw the, how the team kind of, they didn't like melt down last year, but there was clearly a change in the way the team played when he wasn't part of it. And everyone talks about Michael Boxall and rightfully so as a leader on this team and a center back. But I think Bakai was actually one of those guys because you didn't hear him as much. The guy is internally, and you guys know what he, a leader and a big party mm-hmm. is of that team, but maybe outwardly, to mm-hmm. the fans and everybody else, it's not as obvious. And then like once he was not there and missing, then you could feel it. And so then yeah. seeing the lift that even just him returning to the practice field gives mm-hmm. the rest of the group. That's like just such a full circle, amazing moment. Yeah. And he's he's such a presence. And you like you said, when when guys are out for a while, you do you kind of forget what it's like to have them there. Um, so then when they do come back, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Re- Okay. Yeah. Yep. I remember it. Cause he is vocal. He is vocal. Like you'll hear him. I'm like, Oh, there he is. Um, and, and the, the players respect him. Like, you know, they, they, I think that especially the younger guys, I mean, he is, he's a teacher of the game um, and how to be a professional and, you know, with the, with the young guys or the newer guys, or even just, you know, any of the guys really, I feel you can tell that they respect him. Um, for his body of work and the way he he carries himself. Um, and I just think that he's a really good leader and a really good teammate. So it does feel really good to to have him back, kind of back in his role. I love that because I think we've we've you've witnessed so many things in your career and the fans get to see him step on the pitch and give him, you know, probably whenever that next moment is, hopefully it's a home game, you know, standing ovation, mm-hmm. whatever kind of and, and when you just see those guys and you know their personalities and you know they're good people and um, what they've done to get there. And um, I love hearing your version of it because I just think we don't get to always hear that mm-hmm. enough because we get to talk to the players a lot and we talk to the coaches and we talk to, you know, the sporting staff and whatever. But it's such a unique perspective. And I love what you said, because you, sometimes you're there on their worst day and then mm-hmm. you get to be there on hopefully what's their best day mm-hmm. um, in that full, full journey and that full cycle. So I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's an insanely busy schedule. I hope you got some rest during this international break. I know you guys don't have a, a midweek game, to my knowledge. You got Salt Lake, I think, on the weekend. Yeah. So yep. mm-hmm. back into a normal, a normal grind before League's Cup gets underway. So <laughs> Casey, I, sure, yeah. I, I appreciate you took care of me when I uh, had my goofy yeah, your indoor soccer injury. Um, mm-hmm, so athletes. I appreciate you. Yeah, right. They don't that's change. Exactly why don't. I don't, that's why I don't do it anymore. No, they're stubborn and they <laughs> don't want to hear what I'm telling them. But uh, no, I learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate you taking the time. You're an absolute rock star. I love you. Uh, seeing you out there with Minnesota United. And anytime I, I get to cha- get the chance to connect. You. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thank you again for having me. This was cool. All right, everybody, tune in next week. Another episode of Sound of the Loons. Minnesota United has a friendly coming up, plus League's Cup right around the corner, all sorts of action uh, in the month of July. So stay tuned next week for another episode of Sound of the Loons.